0: Ash, why don't you tell me why you reached out to me? Uh, I reached out because I just wanted to uh, offer that sense of community, and when women are going through something like this, that they're not alone. Thank you so much.
1: So I'm here with Ash and I love the way Ash has introduced herself to me today. She uh, introduced herself as what's his wife? Did I say that right? What's his wife? Yeah, yes. what's his wife. And I think if you live in the country, you can appreciate how someone might um, introduce themselves that way because um, particularly if you've moved to the country. Um if you're a ring in. Yeah, if you're a ring in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You don't On it takes a really long time to be known by your first name. You're usually s you're an associate of somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And they live on a property northeast. I hope I got that right because I don't want to get it wrong for anyone out there. Of a Tamworth. And she's come in to talk about her pregnancy and birth and postpartum experience with her beautiful daughter, Lily. So, um, Ash, what I'm going to do is jump you straight in and talk about pick your pregnancy up from about 20 weeks because I think that's when your story gets a little bit
0: interesting, doesn't it? It was pretty typical um very typical up until up until 20 weeks and we we went for our 20 week ultrasound Christopher came with us i think it was just before covid got really exciting and you're allowed to have that second person in you've yeah, gone through been told we're having a beautiful little girl and they've informed me that we've got a fibroid um and it was quite a decent size so they've they've sent me through and sent all the reports to the doctors um they've asked a specialist to come through and check it out and they've gone, "Mm, look, we're we're not overly concerned at this point but there is quite a sufficient blood supply so we'd like you to get an MRI. And I went, "Mm, okay, no worries at all. I've called around and called around and apparently no one will do an MRI on a pregnant woman. Fun fact.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a very specialist kind of thing to do. It's a big city kind of
0: trip, isn't it? Yeah, so we've... uh, I've actually called back to the nurses and gone, look, no one's willing to give me an MRI. And she's like, oh, let me call, you know, generally nurse to nurse, they can get through it a a bit easier. Um, No such luck. So we've been, you know, day trip through to the John Hunter to get their MRI. Um, Were you having your scans done at the hospital? I was, yes. So no one said to you, hey,
1: this isn't a scan that you can have done here locally. Like they would be
0: they would, you wouldn't be the first person ever to have a fibroid no, you would, presenting at Tamworth Hospital. You would think that they would put me through the hospital system at Tamworth, but they didn't. I actually asked about that and they said, um, no, we can't do it through this hospital, you'll have to go to John Hunter.
1: And what was your care? Were you um, part of the, uh, an MGP program? Were you shared care between your GP and a midwife? Were you part of the midwife practice team? What was your care?
0: It was the midwife practice team. Okay, so that's why you called your midwife yeah, and she, she, tried she tried to, to yeah, it. Yeah, no, and no no such luck. Um, so day trip down to John Hunter Hospital um, and we got the got the scan and then headed back home. And there was honestly about a week and a half to two weeks wait for the results, which... That's a long period of time. How long did you have to wait for the scan?
1: So but after your 20-week scan and then them saying, hey, you need an MRI, how long did
0: you have to wait for that? Um, It was instant. Pretty quick? Yeah. Yeah. But it it was was a long wait after for the results. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the appointment beforehand, they told me, you know, it's got a blood supply. There could be a chance that it's cancerous. Like that's not a period that you want to wait to find out whether you've got cancer or not, especially when you should be celebrating the happiest point of your life. How did you get through those two weeks? Uh, <laughs> it wasn't great. I, um, you know, I, I lent, on, lent on Christopher quite a lot during that time. Like it wasn't a good headspace.
1: And as you said, being a ring-in in Walcar, did you have much of a community of people that you
0: could lean on or talk to? I did. Um, and, you know, my friends kept me... Above water.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I can imagine
1: your perinatal, um, perinatal anxiety went through the roof during that period. Yeah. So at what point did they give you some relief? So you said you had to wait two weeks for the results. Is the results
0: being read to you by someone you know? Um, it was a doctor that had been seeing me regularly um, yep. through the Tamworth Hospital, and she called me the moment they got the results. But there was still a gap between hospitals. on waiting. Was there any... Like, did they give you a reason why you had to wait for such a long period of time? No, no, there was no explanation. Honestly, at, at the stage that I got the results, I was just happy to have them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what were the results? So it, it was just a fibroid um, with quite a quite a large blood supply. So they were still needing to monitor it um, to make sure it wasn't taking anything off the baby. Yep. So this is a fibroid on you, on your uterus, yes. Not on bump. Yep. So this is the fibroid, uh, uterus fibroid that's built into the muscle wall.
1: Wow, sounds pretty intense. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so, you know, being the size that it was, they weren't sure whether or not I was actually going to be able to give birth um, or whether it was going, like, uterus wasn't going to be able to contract as it should because of the size of this fibroid. I think at that stage they had it at 17 centimetres.
1: That's a significant, like, at 20 weeks, that's a nearly bigger than bub, I would say. Yeah, Yeah. 17 centimetres
0: and 600 mils. Yeah, so I had a bottle of Coke. <laughs> there was no pain, but there was definitely pressure. Like you could feel where it was. Um, well, you're
1: carrying a baby and then another 20-week baby.
0: Yeah, So you feel 40 weeks. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, what is it? Oh, are you are sure you're not having twins? That was definitely oh I heard often. That's a good like... one. I can imagine you <laughs> walking down the main street of Walker trying to go to
1: the IGA yeah. and someone being like, oh, you sure you're not due? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was... You know, people are helpful, aren't they, sometimes? They, they are. <laughs> yeah. Best intentions. Yeah. But sometimes people don't think before they speak. That's okay. So um, were, I'm guessing you had an idea in your head, as most women do, about what their birth was going to look like. When you get this news, does that kind of rupture all of those plans? Did they give
0: you a plan of what was going – like you're now being told what's going to happen? Um. So we were being told that we'd be induced – Um. The entire way through, I was being told that I was going to have a really big baby. She wasn't. She was just average. <laughs> but, you know, I'm wondering if that was somewhat, you know, picking up on that fibroid as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, we were we were induced and we went through the motions. It's generally, you know, the two-day process as far as chemicals and whatnot. Um, so we started 6.30 in the morning and...
1: And were you still able to do that in Tamworth or were they saying now because of this fibroid and managing it, you're going to have to go to, um, to add John
0: Hunter or Westmead or Sydney? Or So they were still, still determining, um, you know, what level of care that I needed, whether they could handle it at Tamworth or whether I would have to be pushed through to John Hunter Hospital. Um, the specialist that I had, she was amazing, incredible woman, um, goes above and beyond for her patients. That's good. She... She was not a worry in the world. She could handle it, you know. Um, She did tell me that depending on the amount of blood loss, um, I could need possibly a hysterectomy uh, on the table. Wow. That's Um, big news to receive because that's your first baby. That is my first baby, yes. Um, But, you know, it, it kind of fell down to it is what it is. Like I just wanted to walk away safely.
1: That's a really pragmatic way of looking at it. How did you, like? How did you talk with your partner about that? Because I imagine if there's a situation where you're going in for a Caesar and there's likelihood that you might have to lose your uterus, they're talking about knocking you out, not giving you a spinal block. So, how did you guys both pre- mentally prepare,
0: maybe for that birth? Um, there wasn't a lot of preparation. <laughs> Sometimes the unknown is best. Yeah. Um, like we were told the possible hysterectomy just before I went in for the C-section.
1: Oh wow! Like so it, that was like new information
0: processed right now by yeah. <laughs> and uh, it it just fell down to you know at the end of the day I wanted to walk away from it. I wanted yeah. to see Lily grow up. Like it didn't matter past that point. Wow, Ash, so pragmatic.
1: Obviously, you get wheeled
0: you you're at thirty induced at thirty nine weeks. Yeah, yeah, induced at thirty nine weeks. Um. So it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing happens. Um, we're sitting there from six o'clock in the morning till I think about midday we got. Drip, gel, yep. tape, the whole yep. nine yards. <laughs> yep, curb walking. Contractions are coming and it's hurting and you're just kind of sitting there going, oh, well, this this is getting pretty up there now. You know, we're thinking about, because the gas isn't doing anything apart from making me feel nauseous. Yep. Um, I've never heard it working for anyone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're looking at, other options. And while we're discussing that with the midwife, um, she asked me to roll on my side and Lily's heart rate's dropped. Okay. So suddenly there's 20, you know, people in the room. Yes. There's doctors trying to work out what's going on. Yep. um So I've sorted that out. They've popped a, a monitor on her head. Yep. um And then. Was that painful? Because you're trying to contract, you've been given all these medications. Well, I was. What I can only explain is I was, must have been going through a contraction at the same time because it was pain the entire time until I rolled back. Yeah, I right, didn't feel whatever they were doing.
1: Yeah. It, there was no differentiation between the contraction you were having and whatever they were
0: doing. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, everything's fine again. And we're, it's another 20 minutes, half an hour. And we're not wanting to go with morphine because morphine makes the baby sleepy. Yep. Morphine makes everything dropping because yep. her heart rate's already dropped. That's not a path that we want to go down. So I've opted for a spinal.
1: Okay. um, So it sounds like they were talking you through your options and the repercussions of each choice.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, That was my specialist, my amazing specialist. Yeah, right. She sounds like she's the best news. Yeah. So we've gone through this. We've gone for the spinal. So in case, you know, an emergency C-section is where we have to end up, I'm already prepared. Okay. And this is where this conversation's going,
1: just FYI, you know, that extra Coke bottle you're carrying in the uterus, <laughs> if it plays up or is nasty or is mean to us, you yep. could end up with a hysterectomy yep. and she's... sign here, this is
0: the waiver for me to take your uterus. Well, she's basically, look, this is the absolute last choice. I don't want to do this, but if we can't control the bleeding, yep. you've got two options. Yeah. Like, you know, it's either hysterectomy and walk away from this table or not.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, they get you to sign a waiver too, don't they, as you go in? Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know,
1: of course I'm going to take that choice.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) There's no ifs or buts about it. No, absolutely.
1: No, I think anybody faced with the same choice would be like, yes, I want to be here for my baby. So take me to, you know, do you end up getting knocked out? Do you end up with the spinal? Are you
0: awake for the birth? So we have the spinal. We roll through to the C-section. What I would assume is as per usual. Yeah. Maybe a little bit quicker. <laughs> Maybe a little bit quicker. But,
1: you know. You're probably not having an experience. I, well, my anesthesiist puts on Bob Marley, don't worry, be
0: happy. No. No, I didn't hear any <laughs> And it's that. all very chilled. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, you know, roll through and my specialist is there telling me, like, everything's going to be fine. We're going to do this. You're going to have a healthy, safe, you know, delivery it's, it's going to be okay. okay. you know. And so were you awake for the delivery of your yes. baby? So it was, you know, standard C-section, just hanging out, waiting for them to do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a <laughs> bit like
1: my anesthesia says they're washing dishes and now they're doing the rugby tackle and yeah. talks you right through
0: it. <laughs> and that's what she was doing, talking me right through it. And she's like, right, give me two seconds. And she's over the little curtain going, dad, get the phone ready. You know, baby's going to be here. And he's like, you just got there. <laughs> <laughs> it's really quick, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, brings her up over the curtain. here she is. Yeah, yeah. And she's cranky and perfect and everything that she should be. That sense of relief must have been really, really good for you. Yeah. yeah. So they've um, taken her over to the table to do the 10 fingers, 10 toes. Yeah, yeah. Dad's kind of... Like, Looked over to do his bit. Well, actually, he didn't. He kind of sat next to me like, can I go? I'm like, of course you can go. Like, oh, really? <laughs> but he's so... I'm not going anyway. Yeah, now. but he's sitting next to me like, just, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just hanging out. I can't feel anything. <laughs> go for gold. Check <laughs> Lil So over he goes and, you know, the tears have started and she's perfect. Yeah. He's proud dad. And wrapped her all up and stitched me up and... At any point, are you laying there going...
1: Um, I wonder if I'm okay like did she give you did your surgeon give you some
0: reassurance? she to say? did she was talking to me over the curtain the entire time. That's like, awesome, you know everything's fine. It's a standard c section, you know, not a lot of blood loss. We're okay, and awesome, so you automatically have that sense of relief now I can go into mum mode now I can go into mum mode and just concentrate on on being a mum and being you know. Yeah, so you had this huge high, right? (laughs) Yeah. Because we had a huge low
1: of, hang on, here's the sign, the waiver for a case I have to take your uterus. Yeah. And then we had this huge high, going to mum mode. And then this is when your story takes a bit of a turn,
0: doesn't it? It it does, yes. So... Towards the end of the pregnancy, I was getting weekly ultrasounds Mm -hmm. um, to ensure, you know, the fibroid wasn't taking anything off Lil and everything was okay. Is it in Tamworth? Because that's a commitment. Like you're driving, that's an hour each way at least. That was in Tamworth, yes.
1: Yeah, so once a week you're driving over to Tamworth to have a a scan
0: for an hour or 25 minutes and turn around and go home again. Yeah. (laughs) Most of the time I'd turn around and then go to work because – I'm the accounts and the admin and I have to be there. For your husband's success. Yep, yeah. Yep. So, you know, it's you've got to make sure everything's running smoothly and at the same time you've got the property at the other end and, you know, selling cattle, breeding cattle, this, that and whatever. So you're running two businesses, <laughs> you're driving two hours once a week to have just a scan
1: to make sure everything's going well plus you've got the stress of all of this other stuff going on. Yep. Okay,
0: yep, so you're having weekly scans. We're having weekly scans to make sure, you know, everything's okay. Um. And it turned out they missed a bit. <laughs> yeah, right. We we had Lily and we had the 10 fingers, 10 toes, the whole checkup. And, you know, the the morning after they've taken me for the shower and I've come back and she's been sick and she'd been sturry that night. And, you know, you put it down to just a newborn, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know, the nurses are telling you everything's fine and she's fine. Yeah. So you just go, well, I'm a new mum. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um. And yeah, she was she was sick the next morning, and it was fluoro, so, fluoro green vomit sick, vomit sick. Yeah, um, and it was yeah fluoro green, and I went. There's something wrong. You know, you need you need to get a doctor in here. Someone needs to check her. Yep. And they came through and they gave her another checkover, and they went, look, um, Lily's actually been born with a birth defect, and you need to fly out. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so they've just given you the news that Lily has
1: a birth defect. And that they can't manage it there in Tamworth and you're going to have to fly out, I'm guessing, to Westmead or John Hunter? They hadn't actually decided at that point.
0: Oh. Okay, so they're giving you this year's, you're going, but yeah, we don't know we where. We do where. Um, it completely depended on who could take the both of us. Oh, okay, so because right. Because I'd had a C-section, I had to be put through as a patient as well. Yes. Um, so At least they were giving you the option to go with her. Yes. Which very, very painful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So they weren't sure whether John Hunter could take us or it would be Westmead and it was Westmead. Um, So Westmead Hospital is made up of two hospitals. Yep. Completely separate hospitals. Yes. So I was put into the adults hospital uh, in the maternity ward and Lily was taken straight to the NICU. Um, in the children's hospital.
1: And they're not... They're side by side, but they're not because these are big city hospitals. It's yes. not like a block.
0: And they're run as separate hospitals. Yes. So I couldn't find out what was going on with Lily through the adult hospital. No, no communication at all between the, the two hospitals. Um, So I had to request a porter to pick me up from the adult's hospital and wheel me through to the children's hospital because I physically couldn't walk that far at that stage. Then, mm-hmm. You know, I just had a C-section. No, it's like, it's like, um,
1: I, it's hard to explain because it's not just a physicality, like you're exhausted. Yeah.
0: yeah, your body, it's got nothing left to give. And sometimes and it has, has to. H- yeah. Because so, you've just been placed in this situation.
1: Yeah, and sometimes you think, I'm going to sit up from here and you're like, oh, hang on, I've had all those stomach muscles cut. I actually can't sit up from this chair. I need assistance. Yeah we'll test the worst one too.
0: It's it's not the most comfortable ride to get from A to B. But
1: hang on, you're two hours. Home is two hours from the hospital. You're being delivered this information off the cuff. Does that make sense?
0: So home's about at
1: 45 minutes to an hour. 45 run minutes to an hour. hour. But it's a two-hour run. So if your husband's with you and he's got to go home, yep. it's a two-hour run each way by the time he navigates it. Was he there when the information was given to you? He was there.
0: Um so we were put through Nets. Okay, um, a beautiful team, amazing. Amazing team. And because Lily was placed in an incubator and we, I had, was still in the hospital wed, um, there was no room for him on the plane. Yes. So we were taken to Westmead. We arrived at about 2, 3 in the morning. Um, the first thing I've done is... Gone. 2, 3 a.m.? Yes. How long did you have to wait for that flight? Um, I think things started moving... That night. So we found out about Lily that morning and it wasn't until that late afternoon night that we were picked up and delivered to Westmead.
1: Oh my god. So it was a whole
0: extra day. Yeah. Which That's a long time. But at least he gave you time to
1: send dad home. Yep. get me this, this, this. And I can imagine it's like Farmer Chris. This is located next to this and this is its colour. And if you have a photo, I used to send Chris photos
0: of like me wearing the thing that I wanted. That was that was exactly how it was because I couldn't take anything except this tiny little uh, nappy bag that was just filled with all of Lily's stuff that she needed. So yeah. I had nothing going into Sydney.
1: Yep. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So you get to Sydney and you've got the porter wheeling you across.
0: What's going on? Um, So we get to the NECU and Lil's already got her 24-hour nurse sitting next to her. So yep. she's, you know, supervised at all times. Yep. That's her condition. That's She's hooked up to every possible machine you could think of. So you've um, gone from holding your baby to be like, I don't even know how to I can pick, pick the, her up. You can't pick her up. Like... She's attached to everything. Yeah. And they've put a feeding tube down her nose um, to suction out any um, extra liquid or anything to yep. stop any extra pressures yep. until they can do surgery.
1: Okay. Wow. So how many days old was Lily when she had surgery? Three. So it was the next day that she had surgery. And what are the pediatric teams saying to you, like... Are they saying this is a big long surgery, these are the risks,
0: these are the complications? To an extent, they actually calmed us down more than anything because when we're in Tamworth, it's a one in 5,000 chance that a baby is born with what she had and they were amazed. Everyone wanted to have a book and everyone wanted to do this, that. Mm -hmm. I said no. That sounds to me a little bit circusy. Yeah, they've you know adopted. lack of a
1: better word when we're sitting here, but that's what it feels
0: like, and that's exactly what it felt like. Like the doctors turned up with twenty student doctors behind them and gone, "Oh, can we have a look? We haven't seen it before." No, you can't. She's <laughs> is my baby. She's it's, beautiful and she's perfect. She's not a lab rat. Go away. <laughs> you know, unless you're here to help her or.
1: You need to do something for her.
0: There's no there's no need for you to be poking and prodding.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this would have been a shock to you as well because you was. wouldn't have heard of this like if it happens to what 1 in 1000 babies 5000 5, babies yes. you would never have heard of this before. Well,
0: we had never heard of it and you know you do a whole heap of google searching and you know when you've got the standard flu and you google search it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are only thinking the worst. You don't google. <laughs> don't google anything. <laughs> so we get we get to the Niku at Westmead and they're like, "Oh, don't worry about it." I was like, "What?" And they're like, we see this every other week. Our surgeons know exactly what they're doing. There is no need to panic. They um, actually stated that one of the nurses that worked in the NICU, her grandson came through with the same thing. Ah, so they totally normalized it. It's completely fine. Yeah. Surgeons know exactly what they're doing, exactly how to deal with this. You know, Tamworth made it into this big... Ben-Hur kind of... Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, it's a serious thing, but they've got this. They can deal with it. They know what they're doing. So we go in... So Christopher was like
1: like you're on hedge I've got to manage all of this this tiny little baby I'm managing me with a C
0: section and and someone said to you I've got this yeah and well. you go oh like you know the panic just okay this is going to be okay we've got we've got a plan here and you know they went through it all with us and Christopher arrived the next morning so the morning of Lily's surgery yep um in the same panic
1: you know, Cause he's got to deal with the farm, the business, the travel. Me,
0: you. <laughs> absolute hot mess. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine those phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, he sits down with our NICU nurse and she explains everything that she's explained to me. And he's like, so so we've got a plan going forward. We, you know, we've got an idea on what's going to happen and when the timeline, but when things are going to because we always knew it was multiple surgeries. It was never one. Oh, so they're saying that they've laid out a plan for as she grows and develops. Yes. Yep. So um, five o'clock comes around and the Niku nurse has got a backpack full of batteries and hooked up to everything so Lily's monitors can stay on while they head down to the surgery unit. That's so cool. <laughs> so we, we all head down there and obviously there's lots and lots of tears on my end because, you know, there's... There's no control. And while they tell you it's okay, it's still... And you're away from home home,
1: and it's COVID times in a NICU, so I
0: imagine it's you and Christopher allowed in, nobody else. Nobody else. Yeah. So there's no no support network. So we're very much, you know, leaning on each other trying to get through this and you only know what they tell you. Yeah. Like you've never heard of what she has prior to her arrival. And you've Googled, so... I've Googled, so I'm thinking the worst. Yeah. (laughs) But... um, So she has a first surgery and she's fine. They created
1: a stoma. They created the stoma. Whatever they did, they fixed it and they were awesome. Yes. They had
0: it. (laughs) They did. We got this. But they, um, yeah, they developed a stoma and a mucous viscular. So she's now, you know, a healthy newborn with a colostomy bag. Awesome. Yep. Awesome.
1: So we've got... And just to warn everybody out there, if you haven't seen a me bag in the last twenty years, you need to go and Google it because they are amazing. They're nothing like the old school ones. Like people that have like, Oh my goodness, but they're not like that at no, all. They're very sleek, modern you know. They're awesome. <laughs> my my sister has Crohn's and she's, and she'll kill me for saying this, but she sometimes when she's having a really bad Crohn's day, she'll be like, give me the colostomy bag. I'd much prefer it every day of the week. It, I think it would be a lot easier to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some great YouTubers out there that show you what they look like now. And they're like, not even, they're a non-event. People
0: are very open about, you know, all of it nowadays because they want to educate and they want to know They want to allow people to know that there's a community yeah, and that you're not by yourself when you're going through something like this.
1: Yeah. Well, I
0: think that's
1: your main reason for
0: reaching out. It is. Yeah. Awesome. So they repair Lily. How long do you have to stay down in Sydney? So we're down there for about a week. Um, She stays in NECU the entire time. Are you in the hospital that entire time too? For about three to four days, I'm in the maternity ward. Yep. But as you can imagine, um, it's doing a number on me because I can hear babies crying and I don't have mine. And yes. It's just a really bad space to be in. Are you in a shared room? I No, I did have my own room, um, but they didn't want to deal with me. like Because you don't have your baby there? That's essentially what it felt like. So I would leave... The moment the doctors came around in the morning, I would get a porter to pick me up and take me straight to the NICU, and that's where I'd spend the entire day. Yeah, fair call. They they wouldn't see me (laughs) until, you know, the NICU nurses went, hey, you need to rest too. So (laughs) how are you managing your pain relief in that time? Uh, Because they come around every, like, two and a half hours. I was essentially ignoring it. I was ignoring my needs because I needed to be with her.
1: Oh, Ash.
0: (laughs) I'd take my medication in the morning, and then I wouldn't have anything again until that night.
1: And no one, no family there to be like, she's not, like to read you that know you that can be like, that's not okay,
0: you need to. Yeah, it wasn't. Or until- well, tag me in, yeah. let me sick there. <laughs> it wasn't until Christopher got there that he was sending me back to the maternity ward and going, no, you've got to go and have your pain meds and have a rest. Like, you've got to take care of yourself because you're no good to our baby completely run down.
1: And I think the thing that I'm really passionate about that we wrote a post about was about donating some books was because I know when Charlie was in the NICU and in that box and we couldn't touch him, I would stare at the box for like 10 minutes and I'd be like, sorry, Damien, fuck this. (laughs) Damien edits our podcast. Fuck this. Like, this is depressing. I can't touch him. I can't do anything. I'm going back to my room because obviously it was only three doors down. Yeah. But – um." If I'd had a book to read to him, it would have given me purpose to sit there for a bit longer. Does that make sense? And try and do something with him? How did you find that time sitting beside the box?
0: Um, I would ask for Lily. Yeah. So it would take the niku nurse a solid five minutes to either unhook things or just untangle things so I could sit with her. Yeah. And I'd have her and I'd just sit there for hours. Yeah. Nice. So she was sitting with you on you for hours. Yeah. So... um which,
1: in you know, even in those chairs, they bring around these special chairs that you can sit in. They are not great
0: for a Caesar. They are not great for a Caesar. Um, they would try and set me up very comfortably with pillows. Like they, the Niku went above and beyond for us. Yeah. They were incredible. They are
1: angels of the night. I really like that they, quiet of the night when they talk to you. Yeah. Where,
0: yeah, the maternity ward just didn't want to deal with me. Yeah. Like I turned up um, on the first night and, you know, because I turned up at two a. 2 a.m., um, they'd kind of just put me through the system and pop me in my room and go to sleep. So I turned up uh, the next night and go, I need a towel to go for a shower. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and P.S., with a Caesar, you're still bleeding, ladies. Like, this yeah. isn't, like, it's not
1: a, <laughs> not a cheap ways out. You, you've got a wound and you're still bleeding. Quite a heavy period.
0: There's lots of pragmatics to be dealing with. There's a lot. Um, but I went, oh, I need a towel to go. Have a shower because there obviously wasn't any in the room. So I've gone and found a nurse, and she's like, "Oh, they're at the end of the hallway." Like she did not want to deal with me. And I went, "Okay, I'll waddle down the end of the hallway, and it was empty." And I went, "Got to waddle all the way back." And I went and found there was a different nurse this time, and I was just like, "Um, the the towels are empty at the other end. Is there one I can get from somewhere?" And she's like, "Oh, you'll just miss out." I'm like what? And she's like, "You just don't get one. There isn't any left. So what do you want me to do about it?"
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Like, she did not want to know me. I was just <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, what do I do? I'm like, air dry is, then. Is there anywhere else that so I can go for a walk and have a look? And she's just like, oh, hang on. And she turned around and she opened this cupboard and it was full of towels. And she threw one to me. Like, she just did not want to deal with me. I was like, oh, it's a good energy to come back to. I'm sure. so sorry. <laughs> like, but, you know, it was... And it was- not
1: even anyone in your room that you can go back to and be like... Listen, the woman out there, don't talk
0: to her, don't make eye contact <laughs> with her. But it was the exact same as the doctors in that ward. Because my specialist had put a vacuum dressing on my C-section. Okay. Apparently, that's not a common thing. That's
1: not a common thing. Can you tell by the look on my face? I was like, wow, okay. Like,
0: I didn't know, you know, first time mum, I don't know what's normal and what's not. That's not a novel yeah. situation for a C-section. So none of the doctors wanted to deal with it. It has to come off in seven days. Did they people went... know why they put the vacuum seal on? Um, it was just to avoid any infections. No, but I mean as in they, like to know your oh, history. They... Okay, yeah, right. But they didn't want to deal with it. So, you know, in seven days I have to get this vacuum dressing off and they're like, oh, you just have to find a GP in Sydney somewhere. I'm like, hang on. I have to find – I have to go out in Sydney somewhere and get an Uber. Like I have no form of transport. I have no form of – anything and just find a random GP to take this dressing off because no one wants to deal with it here. Oh, my God, Ash. Like, it was just one thing after another. And I said, well, would my specialist have sent me here if they didn't think that the doctors were capable of taking a dressing off? Yeah. And that got back to the head doctor who booked me into the women's clinic underneath the maternity ward who took my dressing off. Just, duh. (laughs) (laughs) But why... Why?
1: That's that's just just to add to the plate. But that's just a call. Like someone just makes a call and says, hey, we've got this mum. She's a rural mum. She's out of town. I'm guessing you went
0: back to a motel or the Ronald McDonald house or... So there was a social worker at Mm -hmm. Tamworth Hospital Mm -hmm. which contacted the social worker at Westmead Hospital mm-hmm. who organised the rural stay hostel for us. Awesome. Which was directly across from the NECU, just a level down. Awesome. So the moment I could check out of that maternity ward, I did. Hi, <laughs> I couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah. The people just... No. <laughs> yeah. But... um, So I was staying in the, matern- uh, in the hostel with Christopher. Yep. Yeah. Um, because... That's where he was staying. For that's start, Yeah, where he was staying because we were six hours away from home. Yeah. Um, we had no vehicle because he had flown because it was the most direct route because yes. we didn't know what was happening with Lily at that stage. Which
1: is actually really difficult to navigate from the airport. Yes. Westmead is actually really difficult to navigate from the airport. And, and as a Sydney girl, she's nodding. Yes.
0: So you're asking a full-blown country boy to navigate Ubers. That was interesting enough. <laughs>
1: It'd be like Pharmacruise. Pharmacruise has the
0: app, but it's actually my app and my account, and I book it for him. It is the exact same as the <laughs> <laughs> So I was in the hospital, you know, trying to sort him out from that end. And it says, you are currently not at the location you have booked. And I was like, yeah, I know, I'm not. <laughs> so we're, we're in the hostel at this stage, which, you know, I've gone to the chemist in the hospital and I've got all my pain meds and I've sorted myself out. And every day I'm just going back and forth from the hostel to rest to Lily. And Chris is there up until the 28th um, because he had to go home. He had to do the accounts for our business. So, you know, that kept running. Yeah. So the moment Christopher got home, um, I'm already on the phone to him in tears. I couldn't handle it. Because you didn't have a support network there? That's it? Like, you know, I'm by myself trying to just deal with everything. And then every time you go to the NICU, you've got lactation consultants going, well, you've got to, you know, get your breast milk in and you've got to do this and that and whatever. And I'm like, I don't think you understand. I'm doing this all out of a bedroom, essentially, like a hospital. Yeah. Like it, you know, you don't have a breast pump with you. It's still back in, you know, at home where yeah. everything's been dropped so we could get here. Yeah. So it was just... A lot, <laughs> a lot more consideration around rural patients and actually
1: what's going on for them to be there. Yeah, would be a good day. So Lily, how long was Lily staying in?
0: So we were there for nine days. Yeah, um, and, and that would have felt like a lifetime. It it did. So the NICU ward has what looks like a hotel room just on the outside. So when your baby gets out of Niku you can spend a night with them before your discharge and yes. make sure you're completely comfortable.
1: Yep. Um, and you can
0: ask questions and they come in and check the feeding and the oxygen sats and all the rest of it. Yeah, And to make sure you've got it sorted before before you leave. Um, so through this week, I'm getting stoma training and awesome. learning how to Tick. change philosophy bags and whatnot, which, again, is a really new, overwhelming thing because you have to get it right. Yeah, Because as far as the stoma side of things, there's no support in Tamworth. Really? Your stoma nurse is in Westbead. And you can call her and you can email her and whatever else, but they're not set up in Tamworth to cover any of this. Hang up. There's no follow-up care available even within the next major city. We were put through to a um, paediatric doctor yep. that stated that he knew what was going on with our situation. Yep. We never went back. Okay.
1: And I think that's evident of what you were saying about your experience in the Tamworth Hospital when everyone was like, come
0: have a look. You haven't seen this before. Like, you know, the surgeons at Westmead had told us that it was a three surgery uh situation. Ge- situation. And this doctor in Tamworth was telling me, Oh no, that there, there's only one more surgery to go. I'm like, What? That's not what our specialists that's, are telling that's us. Not Thanks, what, but what no we're, you know, and all the information that he was telling us, he didn't he didn't know what he was talking about. Like
1: So you're already saying, look our situation that we found ourselves
0: in is going to require significant travel yes to continue to mitigate. So there's multiple appointments you know just for checkups and extra scans and whatnot. Yeah, um, so do they run a stoma clinic at Westmead for her? Like my brother has cystic fibrosis
1: so like when he goes to Westmead they used to run a West, like a cystic fibrosis clinic. Does that make sense? So when you go and see the pediatrician, all the kids in there that day are all cystic fibrosis kids, so there's a bit of a community. Um, When you're going for the checkups, are they running a a
0: stoma clinic? When they're going for the checkups, there's multiple other stoma patients.
1: That's great. That would be great for Lily to
0: to normalise what's going on for her as well. It is. Um, So, you know, there's multiple uh, appointments and whatnot while we're actually still in hospital because the issue that she was born with, it's got other issues that can be associated with it. Yeah. So they've had to do x-rays and ultrasounds and a echo on her heart to make sure everything's, you know, right. Fine and dandy. Before we can leave. Yeah. Which all turned out fine. Yeah. It was her one, you know. And she's good. She's fantastic. (laughs) So she um, had her second surgery at about four, five months old. Yep. Um, And that was to fix the defect. Yep. And so there was about a week in hospital around that as well, yep, you know, at that stage, I think I'm I've worked out the sort got out of, of things, yeah,
1: and <laughs> you've got plenty kind of preparation leading into that,
0: yep, yep, um, and then we had the full New South Wales lockdown when, oh yes, he'd be by. none of the surgeries um were continued with it was emergency surgeries only, yep, so that went for uh. I think she was about 15 months old when she had her third surgery, her okay. third and final surgery, which was the stoma reversal. Oh, okay, cool. So, so she's no d- more colostomy bag. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it was fantastic. That must have been a really good day. It was a massive relief. And, you know, you're in hospital for another week, um, just making sure, again, everything's okay, functioning is normal, you know, follow-up appointments, so on and so forth. They're happy. Yeah. She's growing how she should. She's... Perfect. <laughs> Which is the biggest relief. Such a great outcome for Lily. I guess the other thing
1: that I really wanted to talk to you about, Ash, is um, a choice that you've exercised after having Lily. Um, and I think uh, a lot of women who have tried to have this done really struggle, particularly because of their age. Um, you had a hysterectomy after um, everything. I did. Um do you want to talk us through that, how that was, r- navigating that as a rural patient?
0: Um, so I just, I went directly to my GP and obviously, you know, I'm still sitting with the fibroid. Yeah, um, the Coke through, bottle. I with- lost that analogy. I'm never going to let that go. <laughs> we've, we've gone through, you know, all of Lily's surgeries. We're out the other side a couple of months. You know, everything's running smoothly. So I'm yep. like, now is the point to go back and deal with, you know. Again. I'm the last person to deal. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I prioritized everybody else and now I'm going to do me. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was time. So I, I booked in with the GP and she actually um, sent me to the specialist that I had had when I had my C-section with Lil. Awesome woman. So yes, the amazing woman. So she, there's a lot of comfort there because yep. she knows what she's talking about. She's dealt with me before. She's See the fibroid. But I said she got you through. She got me through. Yeah. Um, there was actually a two-week follow-up after I had Lil to see her again to sort myself out. But you were in there. <laughs> you were Yeah. So I went and saw her um, and my GP had already told me, look, there's a pretty high likelihood they're not going to give you a hysterectomy. Yeah. Um, and I
1: said no. I no. think my face, I mean, again, not a visual format, but when you said it, my mm-hmm. face was like, oh, hang on, let's pick that up. That's a really
0: interesting... So I went and saw the specialist and she's like, I remember you. Actually, I do remember you and I remember your beautiful baby. And, you know, we talked about what had happened and whatnot. Um, and she went, oh, okay. So why are you here to see me? And I said, I want a hysterectomy. She's like, look, if you were five years older and had two more children, I wouldn't I wouldn't even, we'd go straight ahead and book the date. But, you know, at that stage, I think I was 31 and only had Lily. And she's like, so we're going to have to sit on this for a little while. Um, so what the fibroid was doing to my body um, was every two weeks I had a cycle. Oh, my goodness. So I'm exhausted. I My hormones are everywhere. Your iron is low. I was anemic. Yep. <laughs> I was just not having a good time. Yep. Um, and even just navigating an iron infusion from, from Walker is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So she's sent me for the iron infusions. Yeah. She's um, put me on a hormone blocker, which is supposed to stop the growth of the fibroid any further. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just essentially settled my body back out. Yeah. Um, But again, managing your symptoms rather than treating it.
1: I think a lot of women with endo have this debate. I know I listened to this amazing podcast with a woman speaking about having a hysterectomy because she had the worst endo ever and she wanted a hysterectomy and I think she ended up going to six or seven doctors because people just kept treating her symptoms
0: rather than curing her. Yes. If that makes sense. So um, my amazing specialist said, you know, this is essentially the band-aid solution. Yep. I need you to sit on this decision for the next, you know, three to four months and at the end of that you tell me you still want a hysterectomy, then we'll book the date. Okay. So she gave you she gave you a goal. Yes. So three or four months pass. um, And again, it's the same decision. And you've had eight periods in that time, so you're cooked. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So, you know, it it just came down to everything. Um, Being that the fibroid was one that was built into the muscle wall, they would have to remove that entire piece of my uterus. So what I was going to be left with, there wasn't... It wasn't viable for another pregnancy or would it present too many risks? There was too many risks involved. Yeah. You know, you know, if I managed to carry to term, they probably would have ended up in the niku, Okay. And then what happens? Yeah. You know, do I go to wherever we end up in the niku? Yeah. And what happens with Lil and what happens with the farm and the business? And, you know, life is still going to go around yep. when you're stuck in a hospital. We know yep. that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> But also the risks associated for you. And I remember you saying when we talked about your pregnancy, I want to get through this.
0: I want to be on the other side. You know, I didn't want to have that risk again, knowing that I had a baby here. Yeah, totally. So, you know, it wasn't a light decision, Um, but it was the right one. Yeah, and I think that's brave.
1: That's where the bravery lies, doesn't it? Yeah. And there would be other women out there, Ash, who have had to face this decision and are comfortable And believe it was the right decision for them, but still grieve that decision? It was
0: the right decision for me and our family. So, Ash, what does life look like now? Life is exactly what we thought it should have been. It's cool, calm, collected, and I've never felt so healthy. Yeah, you're feeling, since your decision to have the hysterectomy? Since the decision to have the hysterectomy, my body's never felt so healthy. Yeah. You know, I didn't know what it was like. I didn't remember what it was like before. Yeah. But Lily is in leaps and bounds. She's doing absolutely amazing. She'll she's be keeping you going. She'll be in three in February and she's just A champion. An absolute champion. And Christopher's still the rock of the family and just keeping us level headed. Keeping these girls going. going. Yeah. And going, Remember we've got to do this too. Oh, yeah, right.
1: <laughs> Ash, thank you so much for sharing your story, I think. Um, particularly highlighting the issues for country women postpartum is really, really important and exercising choice and trying to navigate choice I think is really difficult when you don't have those services there. What would be one thing that you would, if you knew now, going through what you went through, that you would prepare yourself for?
0: I don't think there was a lot of preparation that you could do. Yep. But definitely chase that community support. Um like whether it's in your friends or your family or so I personally found a Facebook page yeah. that was parents of children with stomas. Yeah. And it seems like such a simple thing, but just having those people that you can speak to that have gone through the same situation. Yeah. Which is, you know, what made me speak about our story and, you know, just so people know that they're not alone. They they can get through this and they will. <laughs>
1: Heard recognises the traditional lands and waters on which this podcast was recorded.